on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's a commitment. And to truly attack it and be successful with it, you have to go down that path and see a lot of rejection and zero success and truly have the vision that you're doing it correctly and that it's going to take right. a lot. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got John Roman here on the King stage. My brother, John, how we doing? Good. Good to be here. You know, man, I'm excited about this conversation. Your brand, I think, is just so fun. No, no worry. No wonder you're a kind of a marketing guy, but uh, you've got a really just awesome, fun brand. I'm, I'm super interested in learning more about your story as well, but tell us what kind of business that you have, John. Sure. Thank you. So BattleBox is a adventure outdoor survival gear brand. So think from tents and knives to fire starters to anything under the sun when it comes to, you know, getting, getting in the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys help us prepare for all those things. Right. From just, from just, you know, a, a day hike, to, uh, you know, hopefully knock on wood, not needed, but something right. more, more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the, the range there that you kind of just hinted at because there's all different types of consumers in that, in that range as well. You've got the, the folks that maybe have, have never thought about the end of the world, <laughs> but, but have gone on a day hike and they need a, they, they need some, some essentials. And then you've got the, the ones that have been prepping for generations for, for sure. a mass war, you know? Yeah. And we have, we, in our, our customer makeup is, is everything you described all under the sun, right? From yeah. weekend weekend warrior, weekend hiker to someone that's preparing for, you know, a hit the fan scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, you'll give some some interesting perspective when it comes to to business from that angle. But obviously, you guys have an incredible brand and I want to get into some of that. But before we do, like the story piece of it, for John, for 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 Mr. Roman, what's the deep burning desire on the inside? Like, why are you doing this? What's the bigger picture? World domination. Okay. Uh, okay. Accumulate, accumulate all the chips. I love that answer. Yeah. Just, I see how big we can take this and take everything. Yeah. What do you think drives you to collect all the chips? If, if I can do something day in, day out, BattleBox being the, the current example, where, where I, I get a feeling that I'm making a difference whether it's in the lives of our team members, whether it's in the lives of our customers, just getting that satisfaction, for me, that checks the box. And what I've found is if I kind of treat that as the North Star, the, the money and the success thing kind of just follows automatically. Sure, yeah. Give us just a little bit of a picture. I mean, have you always been like that? Or did it start off as... I got to collect some chips. And along the way, you've realized that those kind of come secondary. It, it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm always becoming a, a, a better, stronger, faster version of myself. Sure. So I'm, I'm constantly not the same person I was a year ago. Yeah. So I'm not the exact same version, but I don't know. I've had, a, I've had a, a, an interesting past. So this is my technically my third career. So the first career was to the surprise of my peers and friends and family, after getting done with college, I decided I was going to be a professional poker player. So did that for four and a half years. Conclusion, I was good. Maybe a B, B plus player, wasn't an A player. And if you're not an A player, it's not a good game to be in. You look yeah. at people maybe 10, 15 years older than you that, that aren't A players. And you're like, man, I really don't want to become them. <laughs> so that was, that was the end of that chapter. I then tucked my tail between my legs and got an entry-level sales job at 26. 
and, uh, you know, coming onboarding with a bunch of 21, 22 year olds. And, uh, I, I had to, had to prove myself. Right. And I, I, I did that. So I had a lot of success in, in B2B sales, ended up building, building sales teams and, yeah. and really targeting the, the higher end of businesses. So started off in the SMB world, but then started really targeting the call it fortune 2000 brands and selling, selling to them and knowing how to speak to those decision makers. A lot of the success from there, just becoming a better version of myself was from that four and a half years playing poker professionally, where I, I was putting in a 12, 13, 14 hour day sometimes. And at the end of the day, call it 70% of its skill set, but that 30% luck in poker meant right. that I could put in that grind session and really work hard and not only not have anything to show for it, but I could be negative, which sucks. So I think taking that mindset of grinding into the sales world yeah. allowed me to kind of maybe out, outwork and yeah. outthink and outsmart others and mm. my peers. And then fast forwarding towards the end of that career, I was investing in startups. And so I had worked for a publicly traded company. We had bought, gotten bought and taken private. So I had a decent little payday there. And I was making a decent amount of money where I wasn't spending all of it by any means. So I started investing in, in, in companies, predominantly in the e-commerce space. And that's kind of where Battlebox came into the mix and somehow paused career number two and jumped into career number three, which is, which is Battlebox yeah. and, 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 and direct to consumer brands. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is different than B2B completely, actually. Right. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, you gave you gave quite a bit of information there. I love the love the 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 journey, if you will. Building sales teams for me also has has been a huge, you know, building block of of my career. I think that you learn not only just from the sales and sales process of doing it as a sales rep, but then being able to get other people to to do that, almost like herding cats, especially if we're talking 21, 22, 23. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's a little bit of a unique environment. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So what, give us, give us a little bit more of the story, the jump from B2B sales to, to Battlebox. I mean, it was a company you had been investing, you obviously took interest. I mean, how, how did you end up where you are? Sure. So, so we had, so Battlebox, we founded Battlebox in February, 2015. So myself, two other, technically, I guess, three other gentlemen, there were four of us originally, and I had went to school with all, with the other three guys. We had all stayed in touch. Two of them had, were, were entrepreneurs, had a business that they had been running that was, I don't want to call it uber successful, moderately, it was paying the bills. Sure. And they were looking for the next, next idea, next thing. Mm. And in our friend circle at the time, I had probably been on the higher tier of, of, of success with, among my peers. So I, I became kind of, that that person people always talk to about the ideas and pitch the ideas to and get your opinion. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And I, I said, Hey, I want to be a part of this. Wrote it check. The original idea was advisement, very limited capacity, maybe a, a few hours a month. Yeah. And, you know, next thing we knew in, in 2015, I think we did right at four and a half million dollars. Wow. And we go into 2016 and I make a job change. And I went to this startup that was, I think, doing 11, 12 million in top line revenue. And I had great compensation and a plan where I would have had a, a decent equity position should we exit, get acquired. But the reality is those are phantom shares. They're not real. It's not real equity, right? I'm not I'm getting a K-1 or some right. kind of distribution check. And I jumped into that new role and it was not, I don't want to say I was sold because it wasn't malicious, a bill of goods, sure. but I think their leadership thought their tech was a little bit further along. My assessment was we need to, to get to where we need to be. It's going to take us two years to build, or we can probably get there in a year through acquisition. And I told them this and they were like, okay, well, which one do you want to do? And I'm not, I have nothing on my resume at that point to suggest I can deal with acquisitions or, or, or managing a dev team. Right. And 
I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, big decision here. And we're at about 11 million in revenue. And I, I don't have, I'm, I think technically I had a VP title, but it wasn't. Right. Meanwhile, we have BattleBox, which looking at the last couple of months, same run rate, it's a bigger company. And I have actual large amount of equity for it. And I'm already kind of burning from both ends, putting in, call it 50, 60 hours at both mm. a week. So I'm already not sleeping. It's already causing, causing an issue. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is the opportunity. So I went in there and I was like, recommendation three, terminate me. They wouldn't do that. But then I, sure. I put in a resignation and by April, I joined BattleBox full time. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of, a lot of story there to, to dissect, but so do you still have the partners at BattleBox or is it, is it mostly you? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so there were four of us initially when I came on, my first task as being full-time was to navigate purchasing out, buying out one of the partners. They weren't bringing any value to the table. Yep. It, it was just a free lunch at that point. Yep. So if I was going to jump in full-time and try to grow this, and, and give my full attention. I mean, let's get the guy out with the free lunch now. So we quickly, within a few months, came to a deal and then it became the three of us, myself, Daniel, and Patrick. And the three of us ran it together until 2021. So Daniel was getting at a point where he didn't necessarily have the, the drive anymore that Patrick and I had. And kind of just wanted to retire and be done. Yeah. We had, we had had some success that saw exponential growth with a TV show on Netflix. Yeah. And that kind of just shot up the, the revenue that at the same time as COVID, which was mm -hmm. great for direct-to-consumer brands. Yeah. So we had a weird thing. We, we were agreeing on this valuation to multiplier off EBITDA. And okay, let's call it, we're all comfortable with a 6X EBITDA. Well, I don't want to take my ball and go home yet. I needed Patrick, but it didn't make sense for us to sell to us to buy Daniel out at a six X. It just didn't, it, it didn't make sense yeah. personally. So we found a buyer that we thought aligned with us and in, yeah. we were acquired in October, 2021, Daniel got to retire like he wanted and Patrick and myself got to, got to stay on full time. Yeah. yeah. I love that uh, in that example. Thank you for sharing that and, and just being vulnerable there. I think that that's super helpful for some listeners to be able to kind of hear the inner workings of a deal like that. But really what it, the end result is that it doesn't, like there's so many different ways to split the pie and you can really figure out whatever sort of deal you need to, whatever exit or continuation. And even, even, even though you're still there, it was an exit of sorts for you as well, you know, so. Yeah, pay, pay, got to pay off the house and pay off any, any bills we had. So, I mean, it was a win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so now we're, we're operating, you know, at a, at a whole different level. We're no longer a startup phase. We've got a little bit of a backing now and, and uh, some more, you know, procedures and things in place. I'm excited to hear what you would look back and go this, this one decision, what is that one decision that you can look back on and say, because we did this one thing, a lot of other dominoes fell. What was that for you? So for us, it was, it was in 2017 where we, we wanted to be more than just this subscription box. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, 90% of our revenue is from the subscription box. But when you asked about BattleBox, I didn't say we were a subscription box because yes, it's a product we offer, but we made this cognizant decision in 2017 where we were going to lead with content. We're going to lead with content and community building. Yeah. That was kind of our focus and decisions we were going to make around the business. We were always going to take those two things, content and community into the decision-making process. Yeah. How is this going to affect those? Yeah. And making that change and always just leading with content and becoming content centric, it started opening up doors. Our traffic and following count started growing, which of course led to more organic sales. And then it started opening this whole new world where production studio reached out to us and said, Hey, we want to shoot a sizzle reel and try to get you on a TV show. And it was just a whole new world that, that, you know, most brands are not 
seeing because they're just not leading and, right. and focusing so much on content. Everybody knows content's important, right? right. Uh, you know, content is king. You, you see it every day somewhere, but actually executing on it yeah. as opposed to just talking about it. I think it was that that was a pivotal moment for us. The pivotal. Yeah, yeah the. I loved, I loved how your, you know, content community, they kind of go together. Like you're creating content, but what it does is it creates a community, right? It's a hundred percent. And it was, it was interesting. So how we decided to do it, we were, so we were sending part of our initial go-to market strategy when we launched in 2015. So we have four tiers, basic to pro plus. The pro plus was 150 when we launched. Now it's 170 plus sales tax in the Uber majority of states and shipping ends up being about 200. But we were sending that pro plus, which is our most popular, about 45% of our base is actually in that box, yeah. which is surprising and not the theory we had when we launched the subscription box. But we were sending about 30 of those out to YouTubers. And just that was part of our strategy. We wanted people giving unbiased reviews, content, yeah. SEO. It was, was part of the strategy. And you know, to, to date ourselves. And it's such a cringe thing to say now when you talk about conversion rate optimization and stuff like that for your site. But we had a pre-purchase survey where prior to even letting them give us the money, we said, hey, how'd you hear about us? Yeah. Usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. And we had a, a other where they could type in something we don't know about. Yeah. And we started seeing this huge influx of people clicking other and they started clicking and typing it in and typing in Curran 1776. Now, at the time, we don't know who that is, what that is. We quickly find out it's a YouTube channel. It's this guy named Brandon Curran that is putting out these YouTube reviews. Jump yeah. to our Google Sheet. He's not part of the 30 we're sending this to. So we find him in, in the system. He's a paying customer. He's paying the 450 doing this. And we're getting this crazy amount of traffic from him. Wow. So we start tracking it. After a couple of months, we reach out to him. We're like, hey, ma'am, we want to just keep sending you the box. Don't, don't stop what you're doing. We don't have to pay for it anymore. And then five, six months down the road, we're like, hey, Brandon, we're also going to give you $500 a month. In addition, just make sure you do the video at this date. Like, we, yeah. we can't have him stop this because it's continuing. And yeah. the next conversation was, hey, Brandon, so we know this is just like a side hustle for you, but do you want to quit your day job and move the wife and your three kids to Georgia and just do content full time? And he obviously talked to his family and said, yes, he's right. the face of the brand. If you've seen a BattleBots video, you've seen him. Yeah. And as soon as he was, you know, part of the team in a full-time capacity, we could then just lean in and not yeah. even like double down on content, but quadruple down on yeah. content. That's, that's what we did. Wow. I, I love the the detail there. I want to go just one more layer because I'm I'm sure the listeners are probably as interested as I am, but you know, providing valuable content, like you said, content's king. That's what we're always like, okay, well, what what does that look like? So on a on a normal week, whether that's him in a on a YouTube channel or social, like give us some practicals on what you guys are doing or maybe what you would suggest a business owner listening today that they can do to create quality content. Sure. So the, the, the horrible short answer is you, you want to do a lot of testing and find out really what is gaining momentum and getting eyeballs and getting engagement, right? Because right. the engagement part is what builds the community, which is the whole reason you're doing the content to begin with. With certainty, it's not, it's not making a video trying to sell a product. Um, that comes later in the funnel. That's, that's not, not what you want to be doing with content. Now you can occasionally pepper in a sale or some kind of call to action, but it can't be right. the, the uber majority you're even close to just be a, has to be a very large minority of, of, of your content. It's, it's really just unfortunately testing and trying to find, find what it is. Right. So sure. our, our largest channel is TikTok. We don't dance, which when we <laughs> launched on TikTok was what TikTok was known for. Right, uh, right. It was, it was, it was a rebranded musically and people were dancing on there. And we knew that that was not our thing. No sleeping bags and hunting knives doing a dance together. Right. So, so we, it honestly is testing a bunch of stuff and we found stuff that works for us. So for us, outdoor gear company, 
a lot of our product videos, we're testing gear. We're seeing if it, if it's up to the test to be in a battle box at the same level, you know, another big thing we do, what we've always done is this, is this unboxing review of, of the box we send out. It's a 25 to 30 minute video. Well, we shoot it in a way where Brandon and, and whatever the main character, main focus is, is kind of center in our filming. So we take a lot, we'll take that 30 minute video. And from that, we'll be able to chop five, six, seven, sometimes more short form pieces of content from that. Right. So I'd say 70% of our content that's short form, which is our focus, is repurposed, re-edited from, from a possibly horizontal form video. Right. In addition to that, we're, we're, we're trying to really show the human side of the brand. We, we want to really show that because that's a key part for that connection to occur, right? So yeah. Yeah. you want to form that connection. That's, that's part of the community building. You look at if you're selling a product where it is on kind of the need-want scale, Sure. You know, unfortunately, BattleBox is, for some people, it probably is on the, on the need side. But for a lot of people, it's probably closer on, yeah. on the want side. It's that disposable income that we're competing for. That's right. And when something's farther on the want side, consumers want to identify, have some sort of relationship connection with that brand. And this is a consumer behavior that year over year has become more and more true. It's, it's occurred for a while, but like, it's just every year becoming more of a trend. Yeah. If, if a consumer is buying something with your disposable money it's, and it's not, you know, dire need, just pure want, there has to be some sort of connection. And that's how we're, we're forming that by building this relationship with the community. It's a long answer to not really give you a direct answer. No, it's good stuff, man. Would you say that that relationship that you're building I think it's applicable to so many businesses listening, even if they're a marketing company or, you know, installing windows, there can be a need, quote unquote, in certain times. But for the most part, we're all needing to create this relationship that you're talking about. I think that it is the absolute way to, to doing business in today's world. I also think it's the like it's like the lever that we don't really understand fully that we're pulling. Even as we're networking, doing a business podcast between the two of us, like who knows where this relationship goes or who right. I refer or who you refer. Like you just don't know the power of the lever until you start doing it on a regular basis. And you're like, oh, wow, this is really powerful. And so inside of that, I guess my question to you is, is that relationship that you're building, do you find that it stemmed from like, okay, as the consumer, yeah, they, they see me. Is that, is that the relationship piece or I feel heard or is it like I uplevel my status because I'm a battle box member? Like what's the, in like the value inside of the relationship for your consumer? Sure. So it's a great question. So, so in addition to the content piece, we have a, it was a, it was just a website that was a Reddit style forum. We unpopular opinion have converted it over to a Facebook group. We like it as a Facebook group. It's a lot easier to moderate and manage. So if you're an active subscriber, you're allowed access to that group. Not everybody right. takes advantage of it. We have maybe 8,000 people in there right now. That's, that's a place and it, it, it combines that with commenting on Facebook and TikToks and, and YouTube shorts, but it's, it's just, it's connecting other people, right? Yeah. So, so Chaz, you and I, might both be BattleBox customers. And because of all the engagement that we're showing towards the BattleBox brand and the Facebook group, we're then meeting and we're then forming, forming a relationship. And we both live 20 minutes from each other and we both like to go camping. Well, now we're going to go camping together. Yeah. And that's, that's the value add are we're connecting like-minded individuals yeah. and giving them a platform to connect learn from each other and buy battle box, but also you get a product you don't like, you have 8,000 people, you can post and try to trade it for something else or sell it. Right. So really the, the value is an actual, actual community. And there's additional value add, like, sure. you know, we're giving them, there'll be free giveaways we do and, yeah. and yeah. unique exclusive stuff. 
But at its core, that the value lies is that we've created friendships. Yeah. And it's it's not like there's there's no other argument. Chaz and John became friends because they were both battle box customers. Yeah. And 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 Chaz and John both know that, which is yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually really cool. I want to encourage the listener because this can happen in any business. In fact, I just want to liken this real quick because I, I haven't had anybody articulate it quite as well as you just did, but it's actually exactly what I've done with Gathering the Kings. Number one is a mastermind group. Number two is a podcast because not only mastermind members get together and what you just described is exactly what a mastermind does, but even in extension to that, I have a Facebook group for all my podcast guests. And sometimes seeing podcast guests get together because they both met me is extremely fulfilling, whether any of them pay me money or not. Right. I just know that it it levels up the value of the brand, which then somewhere else organically is going to get me exposure and a deal. And I think that the way that you articulated it around community and actually pouring into what relationships are built on can be applicable to any business. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And and what you described it, I'm smiling inside because it's exactly the same spot on, right? Yeah. And then you're back to checking that box that I was talking about where that satisfaction, like seeing that, like, yeah. you know, what you're doing is right. Yeah. Which is extra motivating yeah. to continue to go down that path. hundred percent. Yeah. I I'm, I'm already, and I usually do this anyway, but I'm always like, even in the midst of a conversation on a podcast or somebody that I, and I'm doing business with, or, or even one of the mastermind members, it's like, oh man, I met John Roman the other day. You need to con like, boom, connection, boom. Just like, Hey, you need to meet, you need to meet, you need to meet. And, and really what it is, like you're saying, by building the community, you're building like this deeper level of value that has nothing to do with the actual product, the actual trip or the actual podcast or the actual, you know, box that has all the products in it. So right. what do you think is keeping, I just, I want to hang here for just another half second because I think it's just so valuable. What do you think is keeping most brands or most just even entrepreneurs listening right now from doing what it is that you're talking about? So... It's, it's a commitment and to truly attack it and be successful with it, you have to go down that path and see a lot of rejection and zero success and, and truly have the, the vision that you're doing it correctly and that it's going to take right. a lot. TikTok, for example. So we launched in, we grabbed the name in the beginning of COVID and then literally for a year until early 2021. We just sat on it. We had the account. We didn't make a single post. We weren't even logging in. And we jumped in early 2021 and we really felt that we had already missed the ball, but we were still going to give it a, give it a good, good try. The reality is we, we had not missed the ball yet. And we were yeah. still, even though we Someone felt we starting late, today hasn't missed the ball. Would you agree? Correct. A hundred percent. But those first six, seven months, almost a year. It was 99% failure. It got to the point where my team started to probably think I was crazy because I was like, no, we're going to keep doing this. Like, this is eventually going to work. And our audience lives on TikTok. We just haven't found them yet. We're going to keep trying different types of content. I even convinced Brandon to do a dance one time. I was like, let's just try a dance. It didn't work. Of course. And, no. but, it was, but it was funny. And uh, like, I think he even put the text like, the boss is making me do this right now. Right. But we just kept trying different approaches and it was insane because it was constant failure. But I think to answer your question, that's people fail because they don't get that instantaneous results right. that they're looking for. That's right. And they give up. Oh, it's not working. This is not a, a quick return. This is probably, if you're familiar with SEO, where it's really a long, long game. Yep. This is this is even a longer game, right? Yeah. You're putting these seeds in and trying to grow these roots in this infrastructure, but you're you're never going underground. So you don't really see the the build until, you know, when you see that little little, little uh, sprout. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The reality is the roots are huge underneath it a lot of times, right? Yep. And I think it's human nature to not see that little sprout, that little boop. And you're like, oh, not working. I'm going to give it up. In reality, you had built this entire root system and just, it was days away or months away right. from right. sprouting and you just didn't stick with it. Yeah. And I think it's, 
it's tough to, to not see results and continue to go down that path almost religiously, yeah. but you have to have the confidence that you're, you're doing it right. And I think yeah. that's, that's where the failure happens. People, people don't commit that long. I was like all the word that was just pounding on my brain as you're talking is commitment. It's no, I'm seeing this through all the way. Right. I know it's going to feel a little bit weary at times, but no, I'm, I'm going to press in what you were just talking about as far as the sprout and you know, the roots, you know, I try to teach my, my children this and it's difficult sometimes to get them to think long-term. I mean, they're three and seven and nine right. you know, and nine months. She's not even thinking yet. Yeah. But the reality is, is my, my wife has been taking my son. We, they found an acorn and, and they're, they planted it in a cup and you know, it's got like two inches of soil in it and it's in a clear cup so he can see it just the other day, boop, a little sprout came up and he was so excited. He was daddy da, 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 and trying to use his words and, and trying to explain what was happening. And, and, and so my wife reaches down and goes, whispers to him and tells him to show me what was happening underneath. And so he flips op open the, you know, the, the cup about spills it all out. You know, luckily we sure. caught it, but he want, he was showing me all the roots under there and how like, I mean, they were just like everywhere right. in there. And of course, once it gets a little bit bigger, they're going to take it outside and it's going to grow into a big old tree. For that to like have like been working all this time, you know, right. it's only been a week or two or three or whatever it's been. But the reality of it is, is for a four-year-old, that's like a really long time. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the uh, same exact analogy. Yeah, man. It's we, crazy. Get, we get distracted. We get bored. We get. You know, we don't have enough persistence or perseverance. We're not committed, really. We're really not all in. Right, right? 100%. Same thing. Crazy. All right, well, let's flip the coin. You've given us some really valuable information on a good decision. What was that bad decision that you made that we can, we can learn from? So a, a bad decision, one of the first ones that, that we had, and it was is honestly... In, in hindsight, it's easy to say it's a bad decision. It was, right. it was really because of naivety. So for the first year, we, we were advertising on, on one channel. We, were, we, had, we had one lead source, Facebook. Facebook ads, well, we had some organic stuff. I you know, kind of had alluded to the YouTube video. Right. So, but from a, from a paid Uber majority of our leads and new customers were yep. one place Facebook. And it was all great until, in our example, uh, going into Labor Day weekend, Friday at 6 p.m., we're going to have our biggest weekend we've ever had. Literally, it's going to be impossible not to be our biggest weekend ever. We're having a sale. We never have sales. And not only do all of our ads get declined, rejected, our account gets deleted, canceled, you're dead, Friday at 7 p.m. going into the three-day weekend. And we went from, it was our only lead source. So all of a sudden, we went from these consistent sales every day to literally Nothing. from, from 50 new customers a day. Now we have one that came organically from a, from a YouTube review. Right, right. And we were super, super fortunate in this situation where at the time it was our Reddit light group. And one of our customers worked for Facebook. Oh, wow. This is, this is pre COVID. So this is people went into an office and his office row of cubes were like a few cube rows down from the, the manual team that was like wow. in charge of those ads. And he was like, Hey, I'm going to go ask them. And he like walked over, this is on, on a Tuesday following all this to someone came back, dropped on our, our forum. Hey, I just spoke to someone over there. They're looking at it right now. And like within 30 minutes, we were back. That's pure luck, happenstance. Like we got lucky. Wow. But it, it was a wake-up call on, on a mistake we were making. And yep. I think this is true for, for all businesses, right? Like you yep. never want to be completely dependent on one vendor, one source, one, one, one any, customer. Right. One customer, right? Like, right. yeah, you think about places where you have this giant customer that's 90% of your revenue, like that's a problem. Yep, recipe for um, disaster. You, and, th and that's the mistake we made. And, and now we, we we're far from ever, it's not possible to make that mistake now. But I think that's a huge mistake people make. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because you, you hear a lot of gurus talk about, you know, one product, one channel. And I think that that's true for a period of time, you know, typically, you know, to maybe to get to seven figures. 
but then you have to you have to be able to go other places. Otherwise, you run you run too great of a risk. But right. I want to point out, I don't actually think it was luck that saved you that day. I think it was your intentionality behind building relationships and a community. Well, you right. So you could. I'm a firm believer that you create your own luck, right? And right. and right. yes, yeah, so you could very strongly argue that because of that community approach, That's we right. put ourselves in the best situation possible to. To, to, to luck Even out. The fact that you told everybody, hey, we're down. Like, that's a pretty vulnerable thing to share, even with your current desperation. Yeah. desperation. yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the clarity on that. That wasn't, it wasn't a self righteous moment. That was a, oh, we're going like, to Right. Yeah. That's oh. good stuff, man. It, but you're right. It's the power of community and you intentionally doing the thing. Right. Be way, way before. And and I can, you know, not to circle this all the way back to, you know, the power of groups and, and community and masterminds and stuff, but it it is exactly what you're talking about. Everything that we need or want can come from a relationship. And, and sometimes we don't know we need or want something until it happens right in the moment. And you're like, oh, but if you've already been planning and, 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 you know, serving or, or spreading seed out of good, not out of expectation necessarily. Exactly. Knowing that, that there is an expectation of a harvest, but you don't necessarily know exactly where it's going to be and, and, and at what time. When, right. Yeah. It's huge, man. All right. What about like something comes across your desk today? You got to make a decision on it. Do you have a magic decision-making formula? Help us make some good decisions here, John. No, I, I, I don't have like a, a perfect, perfect process. I think it, it depends on, on what, what's crossing my desk, right? So is it, is it a, is it an acquisition that we're looking at to, to fold into, to our portfolio? Is it, is it a marketing approach? I, I don't have a, a perfect process. I am very process driven, almost to a fault where I have to sometimes say, okay, like human, turn human mode back on, <laughs> but it's all, it's all, it's so dependent on, on the example. Sure. Sure. Okay, so what I'm taking away from that is have a process, but but be intentional about what specifically we're talking about. Hundred percent. Okay, that's good. What would you say just for good making good decisions in life? Kind of a little bit more, maybe you know, thirty thousand foot up. How have you you know d- made good decisions repeatedly? So anything important, at least personally, my biggest thing is I have to take the emotion out of it. I I and I think most people initially there's some emotion in their decision if they try to make a quick decision. Sure. And in taking the emotion out of it, it seems so silly to say, but sleeping on it, it's not necessarily that like sleeping on the actual decision is going to make a difference. It's, right. it's allow the emotion to completely pull, pull from it. Yeah. So I think I'm very calculated in, in that sense. I, sometimes you have to make a decision, right? Sometimes something, yep. something's happening. You have to go with your guy. You have to go right then. And there, there's emotion involved in that. And you hope that it didn't sway your decision, but any meaningful decisions, it's ensuring that the emotion is completely out of it. Yeah. Which sometimes for most people means you have to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear you say delay and procrastinate. I heard you say, wait, take a breath. And that breath might be a day or two or however long. Right. To be able to exhale the emotion and make a logical choice. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it's not, it's not procrastinating and push it out. Right. It's, Push it out the, the, I don't even like saying push it out, just as little of time as possible. And everybody's different, but knowing that the emotion's out of it and you're looking at it purely from, you know, in a black and white sense. It's good. It's good. All right. I'm gonna go over to the speed round. First questions around KPIs. I like to say it like this. If you could only pick one thing to track, especially being a marketing guy, this is going to be good. What would be that one thing that you would track? Ben, this, this question gives me anxiety. Uh, to, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're, we're so data driven and we make all of our, so many decisions, the uber majority on so many KPIs. So to, to come and bring it down to one, my anxiety meter, if I had to pick one, yeah. I would say actually profit, um, okay. yeah. or, or even us because with, with, with that, you can at least assuming you're blind on all other data and KPIs, you at least know you have X amount that you can reinvest. Sure. And now you don't know if it's profitable or not because you're not looking at those KPIs, but 
if you only have one, it's profit because you know at least you can throw more, you can throw that back into the game and try to build from it. Yeah, I love that that's, that's your play. It, it's not to buy a boat or take a vacation, although I'm sure those things are in your, in your thought at some point, but it's to play the game. I want to keep playing the game. Right, 100%. Yeah, love that. What book, what resource would you recommend for a business owner trying to, trying to grow? So, so this was, this is a question that I, I think it's an unpopular opinion. So okay. you see all these books that you're going to read that are going to help and, and, and take you to the next step. And I, I occasionally read, I don't read as much as, as probably other, other CEOs and other people. I, I don't want to say that it's a specific book. I, I think honestly, it's, it's what we've already both hinted at the group, the, the community, the mastermind groups, that's to me, that's, that's the value. When I, when I'm going to conferences in industry conferences, like the most important thing that I'm trying to accomplish is, is, is networking. Uh, and it's not, it, it's networking. It's Chaz, you're going to be here. I want to meet up. I want to actually get to know you, right? Yeah. Like I want to have an actual connection with you. And I think, I think that's of so much, so much more value, right? You can, you can read a book where this person's going to give an example of how they did something that might not be even close to apples to apples or even be comparable to, to your business or what you're trying to accomplish. You then try to, try to fit that square peg in the round hole for your business. And it, you think you understand it, but you don't know if you really do. And then so many of the books are, like ivory tower management styles, just they're giving you just enough information, but it's, they, they, they're not giving you the actual. There's no implementation. There's none. And, and that to me is, is the paramount part. And with a mastermind group, you're talking to peers, you're talking to people that have tried doing this, or you're trying to accomplish this for your business. And three other guys in the group have done something very similar and, and you can talk through what they did, what worked, what didn't work, their learnings and, and, and like troubleshoot together. Yep. And that's worth, that's worth a thousand books. Yeah. In, 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 in my opinion, unpopular opinion, maybe, but I'd rather be in a, a mastermind group and be using that two hours a week in that group. Right. Versus spending that two hours reading. Yeah. It's super powerful when, again, again, we've, we've talked about this in almost the entire show, but I had one of my mastermind members, this was probably a month or so ago, I had a guest speaker come in and he talked about the 80-20 rule, which seems pretty simple, but there's an actual like strategy behind it. And he's done it with several private equity purchases. He comes in and overlays this strategy and helps them grow and then they sell. And the afterwards, this member, he reached out, he said, hey, how, if you had to quantify the value of that, you know, hour and a half. What do you think that that was? And I was like, well, obviously I can only speak for me, but millions. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, at, at a minimum, you know, but, but some people don't realize that, like that information. Yeah, I'm sure it's in a book somewhere, but right. not only, not only the presentation itself, but then the agitating questions afterwards that got us to think and dissect, like you were saying, just a little bit differently afterwards. It's like, wow, you can go apply that and it can. It can literally mean millions to your business. Right. It's a big deal. Okay. What about family, John? I want to know how you've obsessed about your business and your family at the same time. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as belief or a balance. I'm a big believer in belief. Balance is what I'm not a believer in. Okay. So I believe that in order to be successful in business, we got to be all in, committed, obsessed. I, I believe the same thing for my marriage. I believe the same thing for my kiddos. How have you been able to do that? Same, all in, all at the same time. It's tough. So I don't think work, I mean, work-life balance, it does, it does it exist? I don't think it does. I think both are important. Honestly, I believe family is, is higher up on the importance, right? Than, than the business, yet you're bleeding, sweating for both and, they, right. they work together. So it's, it's, it's not easy. I, I think having dedicated time and it's tough and I'm, 
my my poor wife, like she looks at me and it'll be, we'll be doing something. And she looks at me, I'm looking at my phone because there's some kind of fire or something's going on. But, you know, as, as we've grown and the relationship has grown, she, she understands like I'm doing that for her. It's yeah. tough. There's not, to me, there's not a good answer. I think I'm a constant work in progress. And I think hopefully this, the 2023 version or the 2024 version will be better than the 2023 version, will be better than my 2022 version, but I'm not great at it. I, I, and, you know, I think it's, it's tough and I, I'm, I'm constantly working on it, but I'm not, yeah. I, there's tons of area for improvement. Yeah. It's not a good answer. So no, it's, it, it's a real answer and therefore yeah. it is a good answer. I've, I've asked that question to, at this point, a couple hundred people and, and maybe even more than that, because I ask it all the time, really kind of wherever I go. And it's always the same answer. It's, oh, oh I know I need to get better at that. And, but it's not, it's not like we're not doing it. It just means that we know that there's area for improvement. And I would say that that's probably across the board for all entrepreneurs. That's why this work-life obsession is what I call rather than the balance, because I don't believe actually that they, that they are separate and that there's a balance. I think that it's actually all together and we got to be all in on all of it. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, how can you? In fact, I, actually, I'll say this to you really as an encouragement because my listeners may have heard it on a podcast once before, but I had another guest that said it like this. He said, you know, if your business is a mistress, then you keep her from your wife and your wife's always wondering what you're doing and wondering whether you're thinking about her or whether you're thinking about the, the mistress and, or I mean, your kids, your kids don't know who the mistress is, you know, it's like so forth and so on down the, down the story, right? Or it's another kid in the family and it sits at the table and everybody knows its name and everybody knows when you know, the events are and, and everybody has t-shirts and it's like, everybody goes to, yeah, it's just like your wife is involved. The kids are involved. Like it's gotta be together. Mm -hmm. gotta be all in on all of it. And it's like, that's, that's, I love that. That's great. Big deal. One last question here for you, John, this might seem odd just because we're both young guys, but powerful. Nonetheless, if you had a chance to whisper in the younger John's ear, what would you say? Oh man, that's deep. <laughs> Had to take a drink for that one. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably give stock advice. <laughs> You're the first one. Oh my gosh. Sandy, my production, she she's gonna she's gonna freak out because she asked me after hundreds of people. She was like, what would be your answer? Oh, Bitcoin? Apple? Yes. Yeah. Like stock <laughs> advice. Tell maybe tell tell me who's gonna win the World Series. Like Yeah. Yeah. She, she said to me, which I'll say to you, okay, fine. But what's the real answer? I think that is the real answer. I know, I know. Yeah, it would be a hack, some information to make everything easier. Got to come up with something else though, because you're right, because that's not, that's the, the back to the future answer doesn't count. It's real though. I, I, I know it because that, that's what I felt for a long time. So we can go with it if it's real. Yeah, it's else. real. I, I don't, I think giving an answer of like a, a learning that, you know, I've, I have the older John has to give to the younger John. The reality is the younger John, old John could tell young John that, and I'm going to trust, but I'm still going to verify it. Right. I'm not going to take it at face value. I'm still going to challenge it. I'm probably still going to go down that path and, and I'll, it'll be a theory at that point or a hypothesis that I'm testing. But I'm probably still not just going to take it for face value. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, if you I... told me about a stock, I'm at least going to give me a stock with a, you know, not just a 200% return, like something insane over time. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot at it yeah. regardless. Totally. It's, it, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I dissect some of the like, you know, just psycho pieces of, of why are our answers like this? And the best the description I can give to the listener is that it's just a super high logic, strategic person who's answering this, because that's how that's how I think. It's like, well, if I had this one opportunity to talk to the younger Chaz, I mean, I feel like you know, yeah, okay, persist, everything's gonna be okay, you know, keep going, like all those things are great. Like, yes, that would have been super encouraging to hear at twenty that the thirty six year old Chaz is like, hey, bro, like. Things are working out pretty good. Just keep your head down. Keep focused. But super strategic, very logical, like 
X plus Y equals Z, I would have been like, bet, all in, let's go. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Back to the future. Here is the, the sports book. Here's the all winners, The sports almanac for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah, that's funny, man. Well, I want to know, how can we find BattleBox? How can, like, give us a little promo on your, on your product. Where can we find? And then also, where can we find you as a business? Sure. Owner? So BattleBox is BattleBox.com, B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X. No E in that. If you put an E, you're going to end up on a Disney site, Disney-owned site. Go to Netflix, go to the search bar, type in BattleBox. Our show will pop up. We're on all social media. TikTok and YouTube are our two biggest channels. On, on me personally, unpop, third unpopular opinion of, of the show, LinkedIn is my preferred platform. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. Also on Twitter, I have a blog called onlinecaso.com. I try to walk people through initiatives, things we're doing, and I try to not sugarcoat it. I'm, I'm not just posting the wins. I'm trying to post some of our losses because I think they're probably more important because there's lessons learned yeah. in those and the thought process that can save someone else that the trouble. Totally. totally. Um, yeah. Love that. You gave us a whole smorgasbord of ways to connect. I appreciate that. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. But awesome. John, this has been a super fun interview. I look forward to building a, an actual connection with you, like you said. Same. And what an honor I get to get to do that. And thank you for being here. Blessings on your family, your business, all the people that you're touching all across the world with your products. We, we thank you for being here. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for having me, Chaz. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.